You know, Jesus talked about death quite a bit because he knew he knew something that we didn't know that the disciples didn't know and he toyed he toyed with the Pharisees the Pharisees being the religious people they were the ones that thought they loved God but it was really more about them they were good at playing church and so Jesus would almost toy with them about death. In John chapter 8, verse 51, he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, that would be the Pharisees, Now, we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say, he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. (laughs) He stirred the waters. He says, if I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abram? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. You see, our world is like fascinated with death. We find it hard to deal with death, but we talk about death all the time. In China, they actually have an educational class on death. We see movies, I think you remember the movie... Uh, or book, actually, years ago, Heaven is for Real. It's a big deal to us. In all created things, God has created this incredible symphony. There's There's a rhythm to this whole thing. I personally believe that God never intended for death to be a part of the picture. Never intended for death to come to our doorstep like he always wanted to be with us but the problem was he gave man free will he gave us the opportunity to choose him and when that occurred well evil came into the world and death came into the world I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read to you for a minute. I'm going to read out of the New Living because it's just a little bit easier. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. This is Paul writing this. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. 
And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. But they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's important to remember that the resurrection after death was not a new idea. Like, in the fall, the leaves drop from the trees and the plants die. They turn brown, they wither, they literally lose their life. They remain that way through the winter, dormant, dead, and lifeless. And then spring comes. 
and they burst into life again, growing and sprouting, producing new leaves and buds. But for there to be spring, there has to be a fall and winter. For nature to spring into life, it first must die. Death, then resurrection. It's true across our environment with our ecosystems, our food chains, our seasons. You can see it clearly. The death of one living thing for the life of another. So what are some examples of death leading to life? In Genesis, produced from the trees that were dying, death entered the world. Adam and Eve's spirits died the day they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Like they literally became separated from God. And then all of a sudden, it says in the scripture that we were born of the seed of Adam. I hate to tell you this, but you were actually born dead because you came from the seed of Adam. Spiritually dead. And there came a time in your life where you had to make a choice. Pull this away. You had to make a choice, and that choice is, do I believe in God that he loved me so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross? And when his blood was poured out, the forgiveness of sin happened. It's the only time that it happened. It's the only time. And it's the only time that it will ever happen. It's not going to happen again. One time, Jesus died on the cross and his blood was poured out and his blood was the perfect sacrifice. I, I was born some 2,000 years later and he took care of all my sin one time on the cross back then. I, I still sin. Trust me, I still sin. I still make bad choices. I still choose to live by my flesh on occasions but I live in a state of forgiveness I'm already forgiven that makes it sound like I can go out and do whatever I want well the truth is I can I can but the problem is he changed my heart it's not a desire for me to go out and sin it's not I have a new heart I'm a new creation Old things passed away, and now it's not a desire for me to sin. He changed my life forever. But I live in this state of forgiveness. I look at John 12, 24, and he says this. Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Literally, Jesus teaches us how to die so that we can really live. Jesus is inviting us to die to our flesh. Not 
I'm not talking about my my physical body. I'm talking about that whole selfish desire that it's me doing it. This is really what holds us back from living. I thought for a long time that I could just do things in my own strength and my own desires, and I, I was pretty good at doing stuff and living life. But I got to the point where, well, that wasn't working so well. You can do that for a while. You can live in your own strength for a while, trust me. Those of you that are really, really disciplined, you can do it for a while, but at some point it's going to fail. And you can keep going down that same path of failure, keep bumping your head and bumping your head and bumping your head, or eventually you go, okay, I need another plan. And that plan would be Jesus and his strength doing it in you. And that's the point that I got to. It's like, Lord, I need you to live my life for me. I need you to breathe for me. I will die to myself if you will just come in and breathe for me. Gary Billy, he'll breathe for you this week. He'll breathe for you. He'll do everything this week. Just let him. What Jesus is teaching with the use of this whole metaphor is that we must go undergo a process of transformation, a change from death to life. And admittedly, we resist that process. I get it. That's the flesh. It's hard to give up our agendas and our objectives and our aspirations and our goals and our egos. Yes, this is what we've been called to, the new life in Christ. It's this marvelous exchange from death to life. In our dying, in our dying of ourselves, Christ becomes alive in us. In our brokenness, Christ is seen clearly. The way to fullness is through brokenness. The way to life is by death. It sounds so weird, but it's the way God intended it to be. We can see it all around us. Jesus refers here to this own impending death and resurrection. And he makes this a promise. His death will result in life. Not only was his blood poured out, last week we, we took the Lord's Supper in here and we did the, the bread and the cup. The cup forgave us of our sins, the, represented his blood, just as we said, he died one time. But literally, Jesus, he had to die. He had to go into the ground, be transformed, resurrected, and sit at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is right now. And they sent this spirit to come live inside of us so that we could have life. But you can't have life until you, like, surrender yourself. Till you give up yourself, till you give up your own strength. You get to that point where you go, okay, okay. And, and that's the amazing thing. It's not, it's not like the farmer's like trying to get the, the fruit or the vegetables to grow up out of the ground. They've done everything. 
So who does it? God does it. Like, if you just raise your hand and say, okay, I'm done with myself, Christ, help me. Guess what? God gives you faith. He leads you to repentance. And how does he do that? Not by pointing a big finger at you and saying you've done wrong, but he leads us to repentance through his kindness. It says that in Romans chapter 3. He leads us to his kindness. It leads us to repentance through his kindness. He's literally giving us this free gift of eternal life, but we have to die from our own efforts. In Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Literally denying ourselves is dying to self. What we allow to die in our lives. That I allow my own strength just to die. And now I have to trust Jesus. That's hard. I'm just telling you that's hard. This, this, you're sitting there and you go, this all sounds good and everything. Sounds like it should work. But the key to it all is trusting him to do it. It's, it's literally like stepping off of a cliff and just trusting him. And I can attest, there's many people in this room that can attest, when you trust, <laughs> you better hang on. Because crazy things begin to happen in your life and it truly becomes this adventure. But again, some people still refuse to die. They relentlessly cling to their egos and their false selves. And they keep propping up that version of themselves that they think that is desirable. And they trust in their own efforts to accomplish things every day. If you're holding on to this so tightly... I want you to know that you're actually losing it. And you can't really experience life. Not the way that he wants you to. (laughs) I'm a brave heart kind of guy. William Wallace said, all men die. Not all men really live. And the only way that you live is letting Jesus Christ do it in you and through you. That's it. Trying to kill the flesh through our own flesh, it's always going to fail. In other words, you trying not to sin, it ain't going to work. You've already tried. You've failed over and over. I've failed over and over. It has to be him. Truly dying to self means saying no to the flesh and attempts to decide what's good from us apart from God. It means coming under the authority of God's word and submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
Yeah, I said submit. I got to submit myself to this holy living God that's inside of me. He's saying, Rusty, please, I'll do it. Let me do it. I made you holy. I've forgiven you. I've perfected you. I've done everything in you. Just let go. In a supreme act of faith, a farmer opens his hands and he drops the seeds into the earth. It lies there dead and buried. And he waits. He waits throughout the long winter for some sign that there will be a crop in the spring. And scientists can't even explain that mystery. A dead seed lies buried in the soil for weeks. And then, defying all logic, it comes alive. We want to control everything. The problem with this picture is not about living, it's about existing It's hardly the abundant life that Jesus said he had come to bring. May we remember that if we die to self, if we die with Christ, we will also be raised to new life in Christ and the death that leads to life. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer Rusty that lives, but Christ who lives in me. This day that the world celebrates Jesus raising from the dead. It's all about life. He rose so that you can have life. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last enemy to be abolished is death. The last enemy to be abolished is death. That I can have life today. That I can have abundant life today. Quote Oswald Chambers. He says, The cross was the place where God and sinful man merged with a tremendous collision and where the way to life was opened. But all the cost and pain of the collision was absorbed by the heart of God. He did it. He did it for me. He did it for you. You can believe, you can believe that Jesus is your Savior and Messiah. And you can continue to walk in your own flesh. And you miss out on the adventure. I truly believe those four lived an adventure. They walk with Jesus. And today they're standing face to face with Jesus. I trust the word of God. Trust it. Jesus, um, 
Today we just trust you. May you make your word come alive in the hearts of those that are sitting here today. The word being Jesus Christ. May your peace, Jesus, be in the very souls that are sitting in this room today. Not our own peace, but your peace. May you overwhelm these families this week. May you give them wisdom. Will you take care of this community? Will you provide for them this week? I trust you with them. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.